Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. Got a couple updates before we get this thing cracking. First update is Monday uploads. We're going to have the show available on Monday instead of Friday. Used to go up on Friday. Now it goes up on Monday. We were recording on Friday and uploading the same day. And it just got to be a little wild. Plus, Monday... You know, it's like the perfect kickoff to your week. Why would you not want to listen to this sweet voice on a Monday morning? The other thing is we're uploading all the podcasts in video form to our YouTube page. And we might even throw in some extra little weird snippets and doodads that aren't in the audio version and save those just for the video form. So if you want to see what's going down when we're talking to each other, check out our YouTube page. I'll put a link in the show notes. You can click on that and then just watch the magic happen. This one is the first one. So it's me and Chuck. Chuck's talking about cash flow. He's talking about geisha. He's talking about green coffee buying. Listen here and check it out on YouTube. All right, y'all. We're going to get into it. Have a great week, everybody. This is the rhythm of the net. And then if you want your headphone up, you can turn your headphone up. Dude, we're on. On. This but, is the <laughs> first edition of the video cast. Ow! Everything's on. Everything's on. I don't know what this looks like. It's going to be great. So just two handsome dudes. Just two hot guys <laughs> waiting to be hot a, with each in other. In the kitchen. <laughs> we got uh, pretty much nothing going on in this kitchen. I tried to make it clean, though. It is clean. You did got a good job. the Breville job. back there. Two Brevels. Did you make some espresso this morning? No. <sighs> I went to the cafe. I got up really early and I hung out with Sarah. She's tight. Yeah, she drew a, a postcard for us Ooh. that we're going to send to special people. Oh, killer. Uh-huh. Yeah. So little, many creative minds in the cafe. Little gifts. It's super sick. <laughs> so there's two two times this month where you are here. Yes. Two Chuck casts. This yes. Is one I Chuck put on cast. the calendar. Two Chuck casts. Fuck, it's sick. It's going to be it's going to be great. Um so you have this wealth of knowledge of all kinds of ridiculous stuff, but maybe, maybe don't, <laughs> yeah. don't sell yourself short, man. Don't sell yourself short. Just a humble guy. Pretty, pretty psyched. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking because since we're on video, it's a little bit different. Because, uh, how are those working? Oh, you yeah. gotta open them up. No, we're good. These are from Plantronics, by the way, which is a local Santa Cruz company. The same headsets from the moon. Yeah, they uh, put they made the moon landing possible. Basically, they are NASA. They're not NASA. Oh, this is what's recording. Well, video? that's recording us. All right, not but that. that's recording you. Oh, double check. Because you're the star. <laughs> so I'm thinking we'll like cut back and forth, and All then right. when you drop hard knowledge, yeah. we'll just cut. Right. So I don't even have my own camera, but Dang you have it. your own camera. Killer, isn't that? Tight? I should always have my own camera. So sick. <laughs> But yeah, shout out to Plantronics for the headphones. Yeah. They're Bluetooth, they're wireless, they're, they do all kinds of stuff. Tight. Yeah, I got another pair too. <laughs> Just, when there's three, the bigger ones. When there's threes. The bigger ones. They're freaking nuts. Yeah, because uh, usually with audio, we drop like an ad roll in. Yeah, And yeah. we start by talking about Curtis, who has been a sponsor of the podcast for a long time. Yeah. So Curtis sponsors the podcast. Wilbur, Curtis, and if you need a brewer for commercial purposes, you should definitely get a Curtis Brewer because... There's a lot of reasons why my favorite, as I said in the previous ad roll, is their service. Yeah. They just, they get back to you so fast and that's invaluable. Well, and I mean, I just don't think we ever have any, there's never anything wrong with them. Oh, no. It's like No, there's never any problems. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also It's just like peace of mind. You get a good piece of equipment and 
you just trust that it's always going to be there. It's funny the stuff you care about when you own a business. <laughs> yeah. Like the, it changes a lot <laughs> before yeah, you was, own a business. You're like business owners. You want to be in like the nerdiest stuff. Like oh, I need like the tightest, most nerdiest thing ever. And now we're like. Is it gonna fucking break? Yeah. If it's even gonna break a little bit, I don't even want to touch it. Not yeah. No, it. that's like one of the first things from my mind. That's like, dude, we never have to. We never do anything. Yeah. Like that. They're just like set it. And it's plug and play. It. Yeah. And the set programming is really good too. Yeah. Which is tight. Yeah, because we started doing a bit more with our drip coffee. Mm-hmm. So you know, tweaking like, the beef. Yeah, it's just supported everything we've needed. Curtis, man, what else? You know, they're they're brilliant. Anyway, we've got some special stuff coming out of the roastery oh that yeah chuck's in charge of and this is just um i don't know it's coffee but there's there's like a there's a philosophical movement behind it bro yeah totally so man one of the things just kind of when you one of one of the things like making up the menu for the coffees we offer is just wanting to offer like a variety of different things right and but still making it Right. I mean, all of our customers, um, you know, cafes and things, they're buying coffee for their cafes. So they have to be a bit mindful of, um, you know, what they're buying to put in their cafe. But I really, I like the idea of experience and I wanted to offer a geisha Mm. on our menu and just, you know, a few times a year. But I hate that, that it costs so much. I feel you. And I, I think it's interesting from like an, a taste experience point of view. Right. Because I don't, they're not my favorite coffees. No, they're not my favorite either. Right. Like they have a I, unique character to them. Yeah. Though. I would take like a, a really awesome, like Nyeri Kenya, um, like really bright, acidic, complex, flavorful, or like a really awesome Jurg and like the florality that comes with that. And both of those coffees, the coffees that we're thinking of, and I'm assuming we're tracking on the same page, in my mind, are actually more complex than what you get from a lot of the geishas that we're tasting. Yeah, totally. Which are good, but can be one-dimensional or have like a certain... And even have like a little herbal aspect to some of them. It's and... like when the bergamot goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, but at the same time, in coffee, I feel like I love like the breadth of experience and like palate development. And I think geishas are interesting for people to taste. Right. Right to for sure. kind of taste something different, palate development. Well, it's um, like just one have of, a different experience. And it's one of the first and maybe only coffees that I can think of, besides maybe Pacamara too, that people are really strongly identifying a certain taste characteristic with the varietal. Yeah, and not just you know, most people don't go around saying like, "Oh yeah, the Bourbon is SL28. just yeah, SL twenty eight on fire." <laughs> Even though the coffees are, it's all regional, you know. On fire. Um, yeah, so I thought it'd be pretty cool to offer something like that, but I don't want to, I don't want to charge our customers like $30 a pound, like $40 a pound for this geisha. So we're just doing this thing in December this month where essentially we're offering a geisha to our customers, but we're going to do it at cost. At cost. Yeah. Just like what our cost is and pass that pass on it. just cause, cause it's so expensive so- and Right. You know, I just don't know if you can justify that for something that's interesting, but not like the best coffee I've ever tasted. Right. It's priced on its rarity, perhaps. Yeah. And its market presence and not necessarily the its straight quality. Yeah. So that's interesting. Do yeah. you feel like geisha prices have been like inflated artificially? In the sense of I feel like so you've got like the OG Hacienda Esmeralda. Yep. Right, 
And then a lot of the geisha in that area around Panama is kind of transplanted from that. Yeah. And now you're seeing it transplanted in all kinds of other places. And I see geisha just fetching a premium, even though there's a wide range of quality associated with it. Yeah, and it's almost like the prices start at a minimum of $15 a pound just because it's from just, geisha, just because it's geisha seed rep. stock, or, you know? And some of it's so not worth it from what I've tasted. Yeah, and I'm just thinking from our, like, think of like our retail customer's point of view. Like, are they going to come in and, I mean, honestly, if I wanted to charge $10 for a cup of coffee, it'd be like a really awesome Kenya or a really awesome Yerg. Like, but then to like charge people $10 a cup for a geisha, which, you know, they might think is interesting, but they're not, they're not going to come in and want to drink it every day or. No. Well, it, it's, and this is where I could see people writing in and being like, well, it's worth it. And it is in the sense of good coffee is still probably like the best fancy deal around. Right. Like you can no, buy I, the best coffee for far cheaper than you can buy the best bottle of wine uh, yep. or the best cigar. So it's not that we're saying as a company that this coffee's not worth this much money. It's just, it's hard for people. Yeah. And it keeps a lot of people away from experiencing something potentially unique and awesome just because it's it's a scary I don't know. Proposition. Yeah, like 10 bucks. I mean, I think of me as a coffee nerd when I was a barista, you don't have a lot of money and you want to try all these coffees. Like if you went and go tried Geisha and got something else at a coffee shop, you're out like 20 bucks. Yeah. And that's a lot. Yeah, it's tough. So, I mean, I see that balance and you see the balance for the farmer where they're able to grow, you know, some some farms, it's just kind of a small percentage of what they grow and it's maybe a nice boost, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know from that point of view how sustainable it's going to be long term, just in that it, you don't drink it in the cafe every day. Right. You know, someone, I think it was iBrew Coffee on Instagram was talking about that idea in, in general that people are, I'm freaking going to butcher what you're saying, Mason. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. But yeah, that a lot of these coffees that people are bringing to the table, they're not being serve day to day in the cafe and it's not really promoting the entire specialty coffee industry and it's yeah. not doing any favors it's not really doing a ton of favors for the farmers because it's not the bulk of their production right exactly and i mean it, re yeah really it's like the biggest thing that would help farmers is bringing up the price for like for all the for normal all coffees. the normal coffee that they grow yeah because that's the majority of what they grow instead of i sold three bags at three hundred dollars a pound but then all my other coffees just yeah and there's and there's good writing from james hoffman as well on oh, okay. kind of like a similar topic to that. yeah it's super interesting i totally agree with that and then also on the business side here's the other fucked up thing <laughs> <laughs> which you just reminded me of which we're talking about selling it for an affordable price so that people can buy it but also we'll actually sell it all yeah <laughs> right because you remember we would, in the past, there would be like really special lots of coffees at other places that we would price really, really high. Yeah. And sure, it's worth it, but you only sell like 20% of what you have because only a small amount of your customers even want to get down. Yeah. And then you have Geisha from fucking three years ago just yeah, collecting just dust in the roastery. Chilling. <sighs> and then you bite the bullet eventually and you're like, well, I guess I'm just going to blend it into espresso or something. Right. Which is that honoring the farm or anything? I, like, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like an interesting topic. And yeah, something I wanted to talk about this morning just because, right? Because it is like an interesting, yeah, part of our industry. 
but I don't think anyone's really found like the sweet spot for where it exists. What do you see it? Um, if you were going to forecast Geisha in our green position, let's say like, <laughs> yeah. like how much of a percentage of the coffee we buy do you see as these super fancy yeah, coffees? Yeah, totally. Dude, let's do some, yeah, we'll do some math, right? Um, He's deep in thought. I if you're know, not yeah, watching this on video, <laughs> you have to imagine a man just thinking as hard as he can. So right, I'm gonna say if we if our if we go through maybe like two hundred thousand pounds of green okay. a year. Okay. And uh Geisha will have like hundred and fifty pounds of <laughs> So if you got so a calculator you can else, run that percentage. Uh, you know, go the decimal points on that. But I bet it's like but I bet it's similar for for other companies as well. And that's just where it's like, is that, you know, where does Geisha fit in the in the industry, you know, for other companies as well? I think it's pretty similar. It's just like such a small piece. Yeah. It might be, offering at a lower price might be a brilliant sales tool that you're also coming up with. Because not well, necessarily, not, <laughs> not for us. No, no. Yes. <laughs> not in the sense of you're going to move that coffee and make a lot yeah. of money with it. But let's say if you take our menu where you have coffee, like batch brew coffee, you come yeah. in, you get a coffee, right? There's a margin on that. And then you have a buy the cup that we're running through the espresso machine. You know, yeah. we've got two coffees by the cup, like ready to go at any times for a little bit more money. It's like a premium experience, different single origin coffees. Also, it's a better margin for us, yeah, right? We totally. make more money off that. So if you're offering someone a really special coffee for basically batch brew price and they try it they're like oh wow that's really cool i've only ever drank the answer and that was good yeah. but this is a whole different world of coffee maybe by hooking someone like that you turn uh, a batch brew customer into a daily like by the cup drinking customer yeah that's and true you, and like you know our margin goes up your business benefits people are introduced to more coffee so like kind of like a win-win. It's like a win-win. Yeah, it could be a potential gateway drug. Yeah, for yeah. I mean, I'd love just for us to offer it on regular batch brew. Yo, yeah, for and sure. And like to see what people's see how thoughts much are. people see trip. What, like, yeah, the four hundred people that come in the door. Like, what do they think of it? It'd you know, just on the daily. Yeah, it'd be so cool. I could see us batch brewing it, and then just even also sampling it out too. Yeah, like when the cafe is packed, like Friday morning, and yeah. someone just goes around like little three ounces. Yeah, because check it out. That's like the value is just in expanding people's uh, taste to it, I guess, and right, and expanding their thoughts of what coffee can be because it because it is a little bit different, you know. Serious, dude. It has no value sitting in a bag when someone can't yeah. buy it for seventy bucks. Yeah, totally. And and just to talk about ours for a bit, it is you mentioned La Esmeralda. So this um, like this geisha is sourced from uh, like through our friend Aleko at Red Fox, and it's actually from the seed stock from La Esmeralda. Okay. that was taken from Panama and grown in Colombia at like Wicked. one of his friends' farms. So yeah, so it's like dude, it's it's an awesome coffee, and I'm just stoked to see like what our customers just on the regular think about it if they're not charged, and it like do their perceptions change if it's not ten dollars a cup? I wonder if there's like an expectation let down sometimes if you're paying those high prices for coffees too on the customers yeah i feel like it's all just like an expectation versus reality because if i pay 10 bucks for coffee i 
it better be perfect. Yeah. You, you exactly. better blow my mind. Yeah. You better mind melt me for 10 bucks. Because you can get mind melted down the street. Like, we could mind melt you for 350 <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like the Chavez, like, I was like, shit, so good. dude, it's so good. Shout like, out to Ben Hameen. It, like, it doesn't really get a lot better. I'm like, Dad, this is amazing coffee yeah. that I can have for 350 Like, 10 bucks, fuck, dude. You better roll me hard. <laughs> That's so yeah. So what? How long has that coffee been in the wings for then? So from transplant to harvest, you're looking yeah, at usually three five years. Four, I think yeah, four years. four years. Maybe they got the first. So it's four or five. Yeah. It's okay. So it's so, been. It's crazy the lead time on that stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for any coffee, right? I it's know. A, yeah, it's that investment. It's just, it's so insane that you already have a farm, and then you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to bring in the seed, I'm down with a waiting game, yeah. because that land is potentially used for something that's already yeah, producing. Totally. So to get ahead in the game, you're just kind of taking a chance. Yeah, which is, which I mean, that is like a whole other topic that I got to delve deep in when I worked with TechnoServe in East Africa, like in Ethiopia, in Kenya, and South Sudan. Like, we just see the coffee side of it, but it's, it is like seasonally a decision that the farmers take really seriously as to like how, you know, what they're growing that season and what they're reducing, like what they're pulling out and what right. they're planning in and how that's going to affect their cash flow, like for their, you know, for their family. So, you know, we just see this one side of it, but yeah, it's like a big investment from the farmer's point of view. What was the life of a plot of coffee? So if stuff starts producing around four years, and then, you know, what's the lifespan of a tree in those places? Yeah, in Ethiopia, most of the people that we worked with felt like, I want to say like seven to ten years okay. before they'd potentially look at like chopping it back down and... and um, letting it start again it's not a very long lifespan right for a plant yeah man i mean yeah and again i think i think ideas vary and you know you could probably let it go longer and get more out of it a little bit but it's just yeah it just boils down to kind of like the traditional farming practices in in each part of the world do you feel like there could be some weird negative um effects of something like a geisha push to where, let's say, you're a coffee farmer, you have X amount of land, something like geisha trends heavily and starts coming up in the market, and you feel pressured to use X percent of your land to transplant geisha, you do that, and then either it's hot for one or two years, or the bulk of it doesn't sell, or not as much of what you need to, and then you're just like, shit, I should have just yeah. had like Katura in there. Or totally, yeah, it's potentially dangerous, right? Because geishas can be like... I mean, are traditionally like pretty finicky They're not trees like to yeah. take care of, right? And certain altitudes and, uh, you know, a lot of time and attention. So, yeah, totally. It's like you really want to understand what you're getting into because it is such like a year commitment. And that is, there's like an opportunity cost to everything, right? You could be growing something else that um, that turns over annually that you're making money from. So, it's like, yeah, it gets real pretty fast, I think. Yeah. That would be a good little case study for someone to do. Yeah. Should Hoffman do that? Hoffman, you <laughs> yeah. can do that? Yeah. I'm looking for you, do bro, it. dude. Hook me up. Do Somebody it. else. I don't know. <laughs> that's freaking... Dude, that's that's heavy. So Geisha should be coming on... Yeah. Uh, in the next few weeks, we'll have it on the menu. And it'll be on the web? Yep. On the web. What's it called? Uh, Jeremiah's. It's Columbia Jeremiah's. Jeremiah's. Geisha. Sounds like a random white guy name. <laughs> <laughs> Aleko's friend Jeremiah. Aleko's friend Jeremiah. Columbia. 
That's going to be fun. I was talking with the roastery crew about doing just a big roasting party. Oh, killer. Grace is like, you're going to come in and roast the geisha? I'm like, dude. Nah. Oh, and yeah, then they're like, yeah, you should. You in for it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm all, you got this. And she totally does, but it would be fun to roast yeah, coffee like that dude, together. Yeah, dude, we'll pull you in. Because I've never, well, I have actually. We had that Los Lajones. Yeah. Man, that was a while ago. Yeah. That was tricky coffee. Yeah. It, Natural geisha? <laughs> dude, that did not like a lot of heat. <laughs> That went bad. We had one bad batch of that. Yeah. It's, After it's that, weird. though, it was, yeah, it was pretty hot fire. Yeah. It tastes really yeah, good. Yeah. I think end. it's going to be really good. We'll pull you in. I'm excited. Killer. Dude, that's tight. This kind of blew my mind at first. This is switching gears from Geisha, but still related to money and how much things cost and, like, you know, cash flow in the cafe is, is cash flow. So when I was a kid, <clears throat> I was like, okay, you have a business and then you make money. And then whatever you're like, your net profit is, that's like the amount of money that you have. So money going out versus money coming in, and it's as easy as that. But it's not actually as easy as that. There's this other little devil animal yeah, called totally. cash flow. <laughs> yeah, we can switch, switch gears and, and talk about this. I only want to talk about it really quickly because it's something that people ask about a lot, specifically yeah. when they write in and request for the chuck. Yeah, They want to know these weird things because um, we've touched on it before. But you can explain it better than yeah, I or Jared and, can. And it's really relevant because, I mean, we go over our cafe financials with our employees. And it's just something that kind of you wouldn't necessarily see just from looking at the P&L. It's kind of like where how all the cash is moving around within the business that doesn't show up just on a straight P&L. Um, yeah, so it's definitely something I think about when, you know, we go to talk to our employees about it just to show that, like, hey, like, you know, our month looked like this and this is what our net income looked like. But this doesn't mean that this money is just like accumulating every month in a bank account, you know. So let's do it like, like quick setting the stage. Most people probably know this, but so there's you've got your gross versus your net. What's the difference? Um, I mean, just our profit, I guess. Right. Yeah, we could break down like an income statement is just like. Your revenue, being right. all the money you bring in, okay. minus the cost of the things that you sell, is Which your is cost your of goods. Cogs. Right? Your, I'm just thinking of like a cafe. It's like your cost of coffee, your cost of pastries, your cost cups, of merch, cups, baggies. Yeah, yeah everything you physically pay for right. falls into your cost of goods. And so your revenue minus your cost of goods leaves you with like your gross profit. Gross profit. Um, and then underneath that are kind of, we look at it... Um, you know, all the expenses that are required to kind of like run that business. It's labor, it's rent, it's utilities, um, any kind of like repairs and maintenance in the cafe. Um, so we kind of categorize all those together as like our kind of like SGNA, or like selling and general administrative expenses. Um, yeah. And then so kind of subtracting that out from and those your are, gross. Those are different than cost of goods because those things totally. don't get sold. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So kind of subtracting those out from your gross profit leads you leads you with like your net income. Right, which is money to the bottom line. Yeah, which usually, you know, banks or investors, you know, things like that they kind of want to see. That's like a general idea of like how your business is performing. Cool. Yeah. Put that in the bank. Everybody got that? Got it? <laughs> yeah. Down? All right. Now cash flow yeah and so that's that's kind of where you lose a lot of people who aren't really familiar who maybe who aren't running the business or doing the financial side of things is that right it's that's just not kind of how real world how real life works right it's like you take in money you pay out your cost of goods at one time 
you pay out your labor and everything and you're just left with this pot of money. It's like there's all these cash inflows and outflows throughout the month. Um, so cash flow, it's really uh, has a lot to do with like the timing of money going in and out. Okay. And, you know, so while, you know, we try to settle all the books and everything and show a number at the end of the month is really, there's things like, you know, that you don't see like inventory, any kind of uh, like investments in like the building or equipment, things like that, that won't show up on the income statement. So those are kind of like some of the, uh, I guess, cash outflows that you'll see during the month. And then, yeah, any other kind of non-revenue cash inflows that come in might affect that as well. Or, yeah, I mean, I think the big things um, are like accounts receivable, like um, from our wholesale side of the business. You're selling coffee to people, but not receiving the money. Right. right? So someone places an order. We take our coffee, put it, roast it, put it in a box, send it out the door. Yeah. So we're out of that coffee. Yeah. And you recognize but- that coffee as a sale. Right. As like revenue. But you actually haven't taken payment for it yet. Totally. So that's, that's where there's a little bit of a discrepancy. Yeah, there could be like a mismatch where, you know, between the difference of um, like when you're recognizing the sale. And I mean, if people, if somebody doesn't pay you for three months, you know, it's like you've recognized that revenue, but you actually haven't received the cash. Right. And so that's going to affect your cash flow. And that can spiral out of control really, really fast. Yeah. And especially I've seen with it. AR. Yeah, yeah totally. With like receiving money and it's just managing a business. Man, you see people have really big cash difficulties if they're not receiving that cash, if they're selling to customers who aren't paying. And I mean, that's part of like part of our systems is, you know, just we take a lot of payments in credit card form, you know, just so that we're kind of taking that payment up front and not relying on somebody sending a check, you know, 30, 60 or 90 days later. So if you went three months, let's say someone buys, I don't know how, like $2,000 worth of coffee from you every month. And then they don't pay for three months. So that's $6,000 worth of stuff that you've recorded as a sale Yeah, and you don't have money for. So even though you could show like a net, income or net profit you could be cash flow negative totally because the expectation is that you are receiving that money in a reasonable amount of time and you know if potentially you have customers that never pay like customers that go out of business (laughs) it's your responsibility to to charge that sale off and to essentially like subtract it back out which you've seen that happen before too (laughs) and it gets nasty you got to go to collections and you might have just thousands of dollars it just never show up it's a nightmare you really have to be careful what is our, I should probably know this, but I totally don't. What's our standard on payment for, if we're talking wholesale Yeah, accounts? we, um, yeah, we charge, generally we charge everyone's credit card after we ship their coffee. Right. Yeah. And it, it just keeps it really simple. Um, you know, we, we're like a really small company. We don't necessarily have the people or time or manpower to call and follow up on invoices and things like that. And it just keeps it really simple if we're selling coffee and charging a credit card. Yeah. I think, I think it's just, that's just the simplest way to do it. Yeah. And all our people pay us. Yeah. Which is (laughs) great (laughs) because I've seen before there's this pressure to where we had one person who didn't pay us. Oh dude. I'm not, I don't want to say their name gone on the, on the interweb. we should not say their name on the interweb uh, yeah just to be nice and if someone can't pay we're not here to judge them but we can't enter into like a business relationship yeah, with that person totally. yeah because we want it to be this two-way thing to where we're going to uphold our end of the bargain yeah and ship you coffee it's just really disappointing yeah and it's it's hard and it's funny because i know that when 
I look at other people that are sometimes dealing with us and they have these little snafus. Like everybody thinks that they're running the business, right? Like people are like, they don't get it. Like I'm trying to run a business here. Like I'm trying to run a business here. And people, because we're the roaster, yeah. people look at us as a much bigger business than we actually are. We're not that big. And we're not business. that big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, hey, we're in the same boat as you are. We're yeah. trying to run a business. So you're 2000 bucks for coffee is really important to yeah, us. Definitely. And, you know, we've been fortunate to just foster that. And yeah. It's funny. It's nice to have that no, it, we don't even have that conversation. It's yeah, not like a discussion because back in the day, it was kind of like, oh, there's this pressure to just let people slide, let people slide, let people slide. But then it's to it just what makes end? it more uncomfortable for everyone. It's just nasty. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big part of cash flow is kind of like your accounts receivable and how well you do collecting payments. Um, another part of it is your accounts payable and like how you know, in what timely fashion you pay people, right? Because another way to, uh, I guess you improve your cash flow if you pay people slower. Right. Right? Because they're like, you're so kind I'm of <laughs> building up this, uh, you know, you're, it's still a liability, like you still owe it. But, you know, if you're paying people in, you know, in 14 days instead of seven days, then, you know, your your cash, you have your cash for like a little bit longer. Which is like the opposite idea of what, of we, what just we just talked, talked about. about. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I would hope for most people that like paying on a credit card is like a nice balance because right then as the purchaser and, and we do this a lot where we pay people with a credit card and cool, we have 30 days yeah. to pay the credit. Like the credit card company is kind of the intermediary. Right. Please everyone pay your credit card every month. So if you have, <laughs> let's say if you pay with a credit card and then you have that 30 day leniency yeah. window, it would make the most sense for your cash flow position to stretch that out for the entire length of the window. Yeah. It's like if you have 30 days, there's no reason to pay someone back on day two Yeah. because then basically that takes cash out of the equation that you could potentially use for right. something else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, those are your big kind of cash flow things, right? It's um, inventory, or right, just to circle back, like accounts receivable, how well you're doing on collecting payment, accounts payable, you know, how the timeline with which you're making people, you're paying people. And then a big one for us and for, I mean, for all coffee roasters is inventory, particularly green, green inventory coffee. is like one of the toughest cash flow um, situations for any like coffee roaster. Because it's just the biggest chunk of money yeah. that will ever go out the window. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Writing checks for so many thousands of dollars at a time. And, it's heavy. Yeah. I see you working on it. And that's probably one of the most compelling reasons for people who own specialty coffee shops to not roast yeah, yeah right totally. because yeah. roasting makes sense in that okay you know maybe my cost per pound is going to go There's down a little, a little bit but can you write that check and can you yeah. manage that on a regular basis yeah writing it yeah managing it is is a big task um and just as you grow it only gets bigger and bigger amount of money that you're paying out so it's kind of managing that growth as well and just and just so inventory there's gonna be different times of the year when you're paying out more as well right if you talk about buying coffee seasonally which i think a lot of um kind of like the upper tier companies in the specialty coffee industry do is like you're buying the bulk of your uh you know think about like central american harvests and african harvests kind of lining up like ethiopia kenya kind of line up a little bit with a lot of central america so you're buying the bulk of your coffee uh you know paying for it in you know, May, June, July, kind of receiving it, August, August, September. Um, So, right, that's like all of Central America, all of those coffees, you're all kind of like 
buying them at the same time. So it's potentially like a pretty big, it's a big chunk out all at once outflow come like, you know, August, September, October. So it's just kind of like managing that aspect can be challenging and stressful. And yeah, so it's like a lot of times you don't see the money that's made, you know, in different cafes or something. It's like, it's kind of going toward building the inventory during certain times of the year. Right. Because if you have a big buying chunk like that, it's not like you're just worrying about it then. You're planning the entire year yeah, and t- forecasting, yeah. Yeah, and knowing totally. that, okay, this is going to be like 60 to 70% of the coffee that I'm going to buy this year. Yeah, exactly. Right. I buy probably like 75% of the coffee that I like. I, you know, I plan out the whole year and buy the majority of the coffee during those months. And then it's about like managing and spreading it out over the rest of the year. And if you want to get really awesome fresh exclusive yeah. interesting lots of coffees yep that's how you have that's to how buy. you have to do it yeah you gotta do the dirty dude <laughs> yeah you gotta, you gotta make it nasty fight everybody else you gotta just karate chop dude <laughs> that's cool though it's it's been awesome to see because it feels hard sometimes as a small business to like are we gonna be able to get those coffees yeah and we have yeah and you know, starting with the stuff that we pulled out of Guat like, yeah, before we even opened. Right. And it's, it's great relationships. You it's know? so cool. And it's funny to see how, you know, I don't have any illusions of, of who we are or whatever. <laughs> and like people like Aleko and, and Jeff Watts, you know, they're like paving the way yeah. and they have obviously like deep relationships. But just to see, go there, have people spend time with you, have people care, even though you're like a little tiny person. And then, you know, that was one. And then the stuff that you pulled out of Honduras. Yeah. Yeah, through, with the help of Ben, ben I mean, who it, maybe you guys are going to go see. I hope so. Uh, yeah. Early next year. I'm, I got a trip on the books. Yeah. You, getting out of anybody town. Anybody in Honduras. It's going to be great. Baca and JT coming. And we might be going to Costa Rica yeah, after that. Yep. Combo bonus. Yep. So that's going to be nuts. That's going to be tight. It's been a couple years. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it's like totally about like, you know, working on those relationships with, with like, uh, you kind of like your farmer producer partners down there. Yeah. And that's kind of uh, what's really helped us to, you know, in partnership with them, bringing in some really awesome coffees. That's freaking sick. Yeah, that's what dude makes gangster. me so stoked. You're, you're every pumped. Day. Every yeah, day. dude, I was so happy. Chuck's the undercover coffee guy. If you guys don't know, okay, <laughs> everyone's like Chris and Jared making coffee, but it all comes from this side of the table. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, dude, it's something that I was passionate about. That's, I mean, how I got into coffee, working, you know, working in the farms, um, you know, in Ethiopia and Kenya and South Sudan, and got to explore a little bit more of that side at, um, you know, at Verve and spend a lot of time with, you know, Jesse Krause, who was the buyer there and Amanda and yeah, just kind of develop that passion. And yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And it, I mean, even just working, like kicking off your career in Africa, yeah, you know, you're like, you started where most yeah, people end. Totally. It's a little bit Which is interesting. Right? It's, it's like most people are like, oh, I'm going to get a job in the cafe and then I'm going to be a barista and then process through and then eventually I'll get to origin. Yeah. And you just started at origin <laughs> and everything's like reverse engineered from there, which is pretty sick. I yeah. Like it. It's going to be like a unique perspective and definitely like feel the passion that I have for like seeing the work that we do and how it affects kind of where the coffee comes from. It's, it's so cool because it's, it's. I mean, I'm not as passionate about that stuff as you are, which is perfect. Yeah. You know, which I used to feel bad about, but I don't feel bad about it anymore. You know, that is like, you know, it's being taken care of. Yeah. You got the teamwork going on and it's like, there's certain things that I'm better at and certain things that Jared's more passionate about. And then it's like all works together, which 
Yeah, people are always like, does Chuck make coffee? And I'm like, uh, he makes it possible to make coffee. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it works like that. He's tasting a lot of coffee. He's tasting a lot of coffee. Yeah. Dude, we're at 35. I think we're going to wrap this thing up. Killer. Only because I don't know how that's working. I don't know if this camera's working. And I'm really <laughs> going to go find out. Dude, and this might out. be a nightmare to edit. But yeah, thanks for watching the podcast. We're going to do these all on YouTube if you want to check them out. And you can see all the cool stuff that we have. You know, next time we're going to brew some coffee. Oh, um, yep. I'm going to bust out the Breville, which I've been using. Everybody's been writing me about a review of the Breville, the Oracle Touch. I use it all the time. It's awesome. But I'm not going to do an in-depth review like yet because i want to really do it proper yeah. but if you got 2500 bucks you should definitely buy one <laughs> if you're trying to get into the breville game for a little bit cheaper the brewer is awesome i have one jared has one and we make our day-to-day -day coffee on that and then when jenny my wife makes coffee she just uses the gold cup setting with the gold filter jared uses the gold filter too and then jared's got his own little brew recipe he's got a 45 second bloom <laughs> hot as you can get it but Dude, you can that, really that's what's awesome everybody's got their recipe you can do whatever the hell you want yeah you can even snap in a bunch of different it's got basket type filters if you want to make a lot of coffee you can throw in like a cone shaped filter if you just want to make like a cup of coffee so it's freaking sick yeah i'm down you do you you do you bro whatever you want to do <laughs> yeah. all right this is the cat and cloud podcast and we will check you later killer